Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Amen. Amen. Jesus speaking here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's a great question. (laughs) It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I want to, I want to reread that, that beginning. And I want us to read it together because when you read the word yourself out loud, it becomes, you allow it to become a part of you. So I I don't want to just read it to you. I want us to read it together. Are you ready? Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Continuing in verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. I can hear pastor singing that uh, old uh, Sunday school song. I'm going to let it shine. Amen. They don't hide, we don't hide our lights under bushels, but on the candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I know I'm in the will of the Lord today. You know, b- before you're seated, I want to read a text I got um, uh, from Brother Sam McLean. He's been here to our church and preached a few times. Of course, he's great friends with Pastor Huba. Um, and uh, uh, he and I were able to meet um, last week. We just had lunch. I was in Sumter. He lives in Sumter. Um, we had lunch uh, at, uh, at Heaven's Table, uh, Chick-fil-A, um, on Monday. <laughs> but he texts me this morning. Every now and then he'll, he'll send encouraging texts. I'm sure pastor probably gets these as well. But he'll send just some encouraging texts on Sunday morning. And this is what he texts me this morning. He says, your church is a light in your city. Now, he, I didn't talk to him about what I planned to preach. The Lord laid this on my heart some time ago. He says, don't be concerned about your size or about what you may not have. What you do have is the right message for the people of your city. God will make up for whatever is lacking because there is no lack in God. Be encouraged today, man of God. Revival is coming and your church will be a part of it. By the help of the Lord today, I want to read, I want to, I want to preach to you this thought. Stay lit. Stay lit. Come on, would you lift your hands this morning? Amen. Ask God, Lord, help me to keep the light on. Help me to keep the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Help me to keep it on in my life, God. Help me to keep it on that all the world may be able to see. Help me to keep it on, God, that my community may be blessed. Help me to keep the light on, God, that my church might be able to be a, amen, be on a hill on a hilltop and not hid from the world but for all the world to see the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ clap your hands unto the Lord hallelujah thank you Jesus amen you can be seated this morning now I know I know (laughs) I've talked to some uh, I told him when I was the title that I was going with this morning and I know very very well what this phrase of vernacular means to the world okay I'm not I don't live totally under a rock um, it was intentional you know this this term to, to be lit it, it's really not a new a new phrase I know young people today like to think that they, you know, they come up with the colloquialisms and, and everything is all, you know, we, we created this, you know, we, we cool, we hit, we lit, right? But this is really not an old term. This is a, this, this term is actually uh, centuries old. And what it is always described as being intoxicated. It's always described being the life of the party. 
In, in uh, modern terms, though, in modern vernacular, modern circles, this, this, this word, this phrase, stay lit, still maintains its origins about being intoxicated. But more broadly, it describes something or someone that is exciting or excellent. And what I want to preach and impress upon you today as a church is that we need to be lit for Christ. We need to have the light turned on for Jesus Christ that when the world looks to us, they see the glorious light of Jesus Christ. That when the world looks to us, they see a church body that is operating at full capacity. They see a church body and a people of God operating at full excellency and full faith knowing who our Savior is and whom we represent. They see a church that is intoxicated, not on worldly pleasures, but is intoxicated on the Holy Ghost, that is intoxicated on the power of God. Amen. What did the Acts say? They are not drunk as ye suppose, but they are full of the Holy Ghost. They are full of the Spirit of God. I preached a couple weeks ago, being a tabernacle of testimony. They are full of the testimony of Jesus Christ. They are full of the power and the excellency of Jesus Christ. This is the church that I want to be a part of. This is the church. This is the place where Ephesus Church has been and is headed. This is the place that if you want to be a part of a church that is lit for Christ, you're in the right place. If you want to be a part of a church that is endeavoring to do all things according to the word, you're in the right place. If you are endeavoring to be a part of a church that trusts and believe that the word of God is yes and amen, that his word will never return void, you are in the right place. Amen. I want to be a part of a church that is lit for Jesus Christ. My light is on for the world to see. Here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is preaching actually from Matthew chapter 5 all the way to the beginning of Matthew chapter 8. It's one of the most popular sermons that Jesus actually preached. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He speaks to his followers, people who were learning from him. And we know the story. He gives them a list of promises that if I could categorize it this way, the beginning uh, verses of Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, we're not going to read them. But they, they're, they're what's known as the, the, the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. And what this is, if I could categorize it, is a, it's a counter-cultural prescription for blessedness. It's countercultural. He talks about the poor being made uh, elevated. He talks about uh, uh, blessed are they that mourn because they shall be comforted. He talks about people who are hungry and how they thirst after righteousness, that they will be filled. We're not, to, we're not, we're not looking at, at the, the worldly pleasures. We're not looking at, at the hunger in your flesh. But when you thirst and hunger after righteousness, thirst and hunger after righteousness in the Holy Ghost, you shall be fed. You shall be filled. You shall receive that light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that will make you well, that will make you whole. So he gives them this counter-cultural prescription for blessedness. And before teaching on specific doctrines, the next thing he gives them is responsibility. When you read Matthew chapter 5, and I have it open here in my actual Bible. (laughs) When you read Matthew chapter 5, All the way to Matthew chapter 8, Jesus gives them some very, and teaches them some very specific doctrines. But before he dives into any of that, he informs them that before I can give you this teaching, before I can give you this doctrine on what you should believe, before I, before I just, just wow you with my understanding of Old Testament law and Old Testament Torah, before I can even lay out for you the promises of God. Before I can lay out for you what's going to help sustain you, you need to understand that it's not going to do you any good if your light's not turned on. All this knowledge that I'm getting ready to give you, it's not going to do you any good if it's not illuminated. All this teaching that I'm about to lay out before you, it's not going to do you any good if your light's not turned on. It's not going to do you any good if you are not showing the world that these are the teachings. These are the fundamental doctrines that I stand on. 
It's not going to do you any good. We've got people out here, man, huh, searching for knowledge. I mean, just hungry for knowledge. But it's in vain. Because they're searching for knowledge, asking. I, I, I told somebody this recently. I had a guy, a friend of mine who's a pastor in North Carolina, pastor friend. He uh, had a guy leave his church a couple years ago. And it happens, right? People leave churches all the time. But the reason this guy left the church is because he said he didn't feel like he was being enhanced. He didn't feel like he was being enhanced by the teaching. He didn't feel like he was being enhanced by, uh, by what was happening in the church. And can I just say to you, sometimes it's not how much the church can do for you, but what can you do for the church? How about we change our thought process and say, you know, how, how much can I enhance the church? What can I do to make the church better? What can I do to make our processes better? What can I do to make, make it so that when people come in across that threshold, they experience a church full of faith, a church full of the Holy Ghost, a church full of power? What can I do? What can I do, Pastor, to make this a place where strangers can come and, and no longer be strangers, no longer be foreigners, but can now become children of God? What can I do? men of God, to make this place a better place. What can I do not to be enhanced, but to do the enhancing? Yes. How about we change our thought process? We got too many people sitting on pews looking for pastors and preachers and ministers to pour into them, but they're not pouring anything out. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> too many people Want to be enhanced, but ain't doing no enhancing themselves. You're just a, a container overflowing. It's just wasting all over the floor. But if you could ever get this gospel, if you could ever get this truth, get this, get the thick of it and the big picture of it. When you begin to pour out of you what God has put in, you become a blessing to the people around you. You become a blessing to the church that you're a part of. You become a blessing to the kingdom of God when you decide to be lit for Jesus Christ, to turn that light on in your life. You become a blessing to the church. Because if you believe like I believe, as I pour out, I'm being poured in too. You see, the word won't stop blessing. The word won't stop going forward. So you got to ask yourself, do you even believe that? Do you believe the word to do what it is promised to do? Maybe that'll help change your mind. Next time you blame the pastor for not being deep enough. Next time you blame the pastor for not teaching what you want to hear him teach. He don't hear from you. He hear from God. Um, and let me move on. Pastor, I'm going to behave. I'm going to behave. Mm. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Here's the answer to the question. Well, first the question. If salt loses its potency, how can it be resalted? It can't. It's impossible. Let me tell you something about salt. I, I like to show out sometime. I cook every now and then. I think I still owe uh, Sister Patton some potato salad that I promised that I know how to make so well. I ain't forgot. It's still in my mind. I just got to actually do it. Okay. Amen. <laughs> Don't judge me because my lack of works. <laughs> Praise God. But sometimes I like to show out when I'm cooking. And I do it on purpose just to get a, a rising out of my wife. I'll be there, you know, chopping my vegetables. And, you know, I got my, uh, I like to cook to classical music. So I turn on some classical music and just get to going. Uh, I make a mean stir fry. If you ain't never had it, you're missing out. If I do say so myself. But every now and then I'll take some salt. And uh, she'll come into the kitchen. And I, I don't just pour it any kind of way. No, no, no. I raise it up. And I sprinkle it. I sprinkle it on there just like that. And I can hear, hear the judgment. She's like, what you doing? You don't know what you're doing. I know a little something about salt. I know it adds seasoning. Now, now there's a difference between being all salty Come on now. Now, we don't need a church that's full of a bunch of salty people. 
but you are the salt of the earth, as the Bible says. Don't be salty to the point where you turn somebody away from here. Don't be salty to the point where you offend somebody, and then they say, well, them people down there at Ephesus Church, they don't know how to treat people. I don't want to be a part of that church. But you can be the salt of the earth. Understand that in history, man, salt changed the way the world operated when it became commerce because they realized not only does it season food, it also preserves the food. It also preserves the food. So now we don't, we don't have to worry about that, that deer we killed going bad. Now we can salt it and preserve it. It can last for a few months. This is before refrigeration, by the way. That salt began to season, not only season, but it also preserved. It has a two-fold purpose. It's a terrible thing, a terrible thing, when salt loses its potency. And the Bible tells us that. It tells us that it's good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. Get this picture in your mind. Get this picture in your mind. You ever been riding down the street and you see somebody reach their hand out of the car and they just take a big gulp container and just kind of pour it out and all that liquid comes flowing out of that big, that big gulp from 7-Eleven? What are they saying? Either this, this liquid is stale, this liquid ain't cold enough, this liquid ain't right, the taste ain't right, it's kind of bland, I put too much ice in, right? That's what the Bible is saying about salt when it's, when it's lost its potency. When salt loses its potency, the only thing it's good for is to be thrown out and trodden underfoot, stepped on, thrown into the, thrown into the streets. It's just like, it just becomes like dirt. It's no good. It's lost its potency. It's lost its effectiveness. Listen, our communities will benefit greatly from a church full of flavor and a church that knows it has the capacity to preserve that community. Preserve it how? Through prayer. Preserve it how? Through faith. Preserve it how? Through good works. This is how we become a church that is on fire and is lit for Jesus Christ. We pray for our communities. Amen. We work in our communities. By faith, we believe on behalf of our communities. Did you know there are people in your community that don't believe the Bible? I know we're in the Bible belt. Bless God, the Baptists are all over this place. But do you know that, that even them, they don't believe, they don't believe the truth of the word of God, the way the truth of the word of God should be believed? By the way, the gospel, Acts 2.38 is not the gospel. The good news is Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ rose again on the third day. That's the good news because it gives us hope. What Acts 2.38 is, is the plan that affects the good news. So after you come to this knowledge and to this realization of the gospel and of the good news of Jesus Christ, that light gets turned on in your life. God has then given you a plan to follow in order to affect the good news that you've just heard. The good news that has just been turned on in your life. We need to have our lights lit for Jesus Christ. We need to have our lights lit for Jesus Christ. The Bible says you are, I know I've been talking about salt, but the Bible says you are the light of the world. We read it. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. In the beginning, God turned on the lights of creation. And thank God, from our perspective, that light has not been turned out. Thank God there is still a sun, S-U-N, that shines right. over this earth. Right. And there are billions, trillions, I'm about to make quabillions, I don't know, make, make, just make up a number, of stars in the universe that when we look at the night sky, they are still providing light for us today. Thank God, can I say it this way, that there is still a S-O-N that shines light into every life. Every individual has the potential to look to the S-O-N and say, that's the light. He is the light. He is the light. He is the light. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the light and the life. And that light is for me. That light can then begin to shine in my life because I have been made true. I've been made known of the truth or the truth has been made known to me. Thank God we have that light that has not 
gone off. Can I say this? Your story begins with when God turns the gospel light on in your life. It's your job to make sure the light doesn't go out. Thank God right now he keeps the sun shining. That's the, we ain't got to worry about that. What we do, we, we go to sleep, we wake up, thank God the sun is still there. But when it comes to the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's our job to make sure that light doesn't go off. Once was this word given to you. Once was this truth given to you. It's your job to make sure that that light does not go off. In the beginning, God separated the light from the dark. When the scriptures talk about the world being uh, uh, formless and void. When we hear the word void, we think nothingness. But in the original uh, text, it was not really describing nothingness. What it was describing was just this, this, this darkness. I mean, we don't even really have a word for it in the English language. This just darkness was everywhere. God did not destroy the darkness. Stay with me. He did not destroy that darkness. In fact, darkness still exists today. When the earth turns on its axis, we face away from the sun. What do we experience? Darkness. But I tell you what, it wasn't like how it was. Even today, it wasn't like how it was at the beginning. There were no stars. There was no sun. None of that existed. What existed was darkness. And then God spoke into a formless and dark space. He spoke into a, a formless and dark space. How many of our hearts hmm, have been formless for too long? How many of our hearts have experienced just, just darkness? We've, we've gone through, man, you, Brother Floyd hit it. We have some testimonies in this building of the darkness that we once experienced. But then came along the word of God. Somebody preached the truth to us. And what happened? Woo, that light just turned on in our life. That light, that gospel light just turned on in our hearts. No longer formless, no longer void, but now full of the glorious light and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But I said earlier, darkness still exists. He didn't destroy it. Darkness still exists so that the light can be there. Number one, so we can see. He turned the light on so we can see, but also so that we can be seen. I'm going to say that again. He turned the light on so we can see, but also so that we can be seen. As the next verse says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven now I've got a I've got one of those electric candles in my hand I'm gonna ask you a, a trick question here is the light on or off come on somebody prophesy it's a trick question because it doesn't matter you can't see it you can't see it so if somebody, if somebody, if you want to be effective in your, in your community, effective in your outreach, you've got to be willing to turn the light on. It was off, by the way. But you've got to be willing to turn your light on. Nobody's going to be asking about your light if they don't even know it exists. Nobody's going to be asking about the truth that you know and the truth that you've received if they don't even know it exists. They, they look to you and they, they, don't, they can't even, the only thing they can guess is, well, he must be a part of the world. Well, he must be just like me because there's nothing different about him or her. There's nothing shining about this individual's life. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Understand that darkness is the absence of light. In other words, darkness only occurs if the light is missing or turned off. I know, I know you've heard this before. All this is super deep. You got people tweeting it right now. I know. Darkness only exists if the light is never turned on. You just might be the light that your community needs. 
Who knows the truth in here? Raise your hand. Raise it up. Raise it up high. Raise it up high. That should be everybody. You know why? Because you've been at this church and we preach the truth. All right. We preach the gospel. I just preached it two and a half seconds ago. So now you know it. The question is, are you willing to turn, and I just knocked everything over. The question is, are you willing to turn the light on that you have just received in your life? Turn that light on in your heart. You just might be the light that your community needs. When you walk into a room, you could be, a, you could be the light that was missing. You could be the light that was missing. When coworkers have issues with you and they don't know why, it could be because your light is too bright. You see, they're used to squalling in darkness, living in darkness. But then you show up, a Holy Ghost filled truth knower, truth walker, truth worker, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, full of truth, you show up and they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do but complain, but to complain. They don't know what to do but to make your light less bright. They don't know what to do except to say, can you turn it down a little bit? Can you turn that joy down just a little bit? You're ruining my, my melancholy. Can you turn all that, all that happiness down just, just a little bit? I'm trying to have a bad day. You just need to go ahead and tell them, no, nah, I can't do that because I know too well what God has done for me. I know too well the gospel that he has turned on for me. I know too well the truth that he has put into my life. I know too well the gospel and the glorious light of Jesus Christ. I know too well where he brought me from. I know too well that he has brought me from a mighty, mighty long way. I can't do that. I can't turn the light off. I've got to let the light shine before men that my good works may be seen. But not only that, but that they may glorify the Father which is in me. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Hmm. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with dark? What communion has light with dark? You tell me, wherever have you seen light and dark mixed? Now, I'm not talking about light shining through darkness and then there's darkness around the light. Okay, that'll preach by itself. But wherever that light is, there is no darkness. It doesn't mix. Doesn't mix. Light and dark doesn't mix. Now, let me bring this out here, too, because sometimes we, we, <laughs> we make the mistake of, of, of trying to separate ourselves so much from the world that, that they are not even able to see the light. I just said, if you take this light and you put it back in your pocket, you hide it, you separate it from you, what, you you're ineffective. You're not being and not doing what God has asked you to do. The difference, stand up here, Micah. The difference is this. When the Bible says, be ye not unequally yoked, it's talking about taking on the thoughts and the minds and the ideas of the world. It's talking about being so connected to people that their thoughts, come on, Spock, become your thoughts. Where my, star, my, my, where my Trekkies at? Come on, y'all, don't leave me hanging. <laughs> there you go. He put it up, y'all. He did it. Amen. My mind to your mind, my thoughts to your thoughts. I see you, brother. That's not what we're about in the kingdom of God, unless we're the ones doing the effecting. We need to be the ones to say, hey, my thoughts to your thoughts, my light to your darkness so that you can then become a light to the world. So when the Bible talks about being unequally yoked, it's talking about this. It's talking about being connected with people and ideas that are counter to the word of God. We just had this conversation last night, me and my son. He came upstairs. You can have a seat, buddy. Thank you. He came upstairs, and, and I want to say, man, Brother Ryan did a great job this morning teaching about how we need to protect our future. And the whole time, I'm trying not to run because what you were saying was so applicable, and you don't even, I'm sure you realize it, but it's so applicable and so tangible, so real, even just as last as 12 hours ago because of what my son shared with me last night. 
He comes upstairs and he says, Daddy, I have to talk to you about something. I've already talked to mommy about this. He says, but there are two, two girls in my class that say they are Pan. Pan. Not Peter Pan. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Pansexual. We're talking about 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds. Okay? And so I began to ask him, what does that mean? And he said some stuff. I said, but what does that mean for you? He said, well, I was, I was afraid to tell you guys because I didn't want you guys to, to uh, tell me that I couldn't be their friend anymore. And I said, I respect that. But I said, I will, I will up to a point, and, and, and y'all can say what y'all want to say, but this, this is, this is the, I've been granted stewardship over this one. What I told him was, I'm not ever going to tell you not to hang out with somebody unless... Their thoughts begin to become your thoughts. Stand up here again. I said, you can walk with friends. You can have friends. But there's a difference between being between walking with them and being yoked with them. Okay. I said, so what I want you to do is to be that light in your, in your world, to be that light in your school, to be that light of truth. It does no good if I just snatch him out of school and say, you're going to come on and come on. And everybody's got different situations. You do what you got to do. But I'm not, I'm not, he's not there yet. I think there's still a chance for him to be effective in his school. But it does me no good. It does the church no good if we just start snatching all of our kids out of school. But let them be a light. What it means is it's more work for you now as a parent All right. to make sure that this message is being driven in so that when he, when and if he does choke up with somebody, he becomes the light. And he says, my thoughts to your thoughts, my light to your light. Believe what I believe. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the gospel. Jesus Christ died for your sin. Jesus Christ rose again on the third day. Do you believe it? Not yet? Come on, let's keep on walking. Jesus Christ did this for you. Jesus Christ did this for you. Jesus Christ wants you to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ wants you to be baptized in his name. Jesus Christ wants you to know and believe his word, but we can only do that if we just Decide to be the light. We can only do that if we decide to be lit for Jesus Christ. Decide to turn that light on in our communities. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8, 10 through 11, 13 through 14. I'm jumping around here. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now, hmm, somebody say, but now, are ye the light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. Jump into verse 10. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove. I've preached on this before. That word reprove means to expose, to convict. It's like, it's like the actions are being uh, on trial. You become judge. Why? Because you know the truth. Judges, judges are supposed to be the ones that keep and keep the law and interpret the law and keep the truth. And that when that truth and that law is violated, they expose it. We are uh, commissioned with being the ones who expose the works of darkness. But you can't do that if you just, I'm not going to have fellowship with them at all. What didn't Jesus Christ walk around with sinners all day, every day? Now, can I say this to each his own? Everybody be careful in this because everybody on the same spiritual level as what I'm saying. Sometimes you do need to take a step back, get yourself consecrated, get yourself rooted well before you can then be going and be a light. But understand what I'm saying. When you get to that point where you can be a light to your world. The only way the world is going to see that light is if you turn it on, if you begin to expose the darkness. Begin to expose those things that are contrary to God. So what's Micah going to do? He's going to have a conversation with his friends. He's already planned it. We were, we were talking about strategies last night. Why? He's going to expose the faultiness in that logic. You're a 10-year-old. You don't know what you like. You don't know what you mean. 
you mean to tell me because you got a friend, you're, you're sexually attracted to that individual? You're mixing it up. You're confused. But God can break that chain. Come on, we sang it this morning. Break every chain. Break the chain of confusion. Come on, let's protect our future by breaking those chains of confusion. Let's protect our future by illuminating the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. Let's protect our future by being lit for Jesus Christ. Verse 13. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. All things that are, if I could say it this way, exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. What is he saying? Whatever becomes uh, realized, whatever becomes illuminated, it was done so because the light was there. Simple. The reason you see it is because somebody turned on a light. I've got another one here. Somebody turned on a light. Let your light so shine before men are made manifest by light. Verse 14, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee the light. Proverbs 4.18, but the path of the just as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5, ye are the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness, nor of darkness. You know, there's a lot of strange creatures that roam in the night. There was an old worldly song years ago. Certain things come out at night. <laughs> da, 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 da. You know what I'm talking about? I ain't going to sing it. There's some weird things that happen at night. Some weird, weird creatures that exist, say, at the bottom of the ocean. Things with three eyes and, you know, uh, uh, antennas with lights on the end of them. Y'all seen that fish before? Them ugly teeth? All right. Some weird things exist, but even stranger mm, is the dark nature of man. The dark nature of man. Some years ago, I was listening to the radio. Um, I've always been interested in the psychology of man. Um, and, you know, f uh, I believe that what the world often determines uh, terms psychology, um, there's a fine line between psychology and spirituality what's happening in the spiritual realm. Um, and I was listening to the radio and this psychologist was talking about, uh, you know, the dark nature of man, if you will. And he begins to tell the story about how he even, as a psychologist, has to reconcile. I know what he's saying because I know the person who can turn the light on in his life. I know the one who can turn the light on and illuminate the darknesses in his life. But this dark nature of man exists in each and every one of us. And he was explaining how he is an otherwise uh, introverted person. He's an otherwise uh, calm person. And in fact, when a, lot of, when a number of his students come in and, and meet with him and talk with him, they see how gentle he is. But even he has a dark nature. And he begins to explain, he began to explain how he has thoughts often of what he would do if he was around when Adolf Hitler was around, how he would treat Adolf Hitler, what he would do to torture Adolf Hitler for what he did. And he began to describe some things. And I'm going, my goodness, that's in you? All that is coming from this man who is, is, is the beacon of gentleness, the beacon of, of, of joy, the beacon of introvertedness. It's in each and every one of us, this dark nature, this dark man that needs to be illuminated, that needs to be, that needs to have the gospel preached into their life. That needs to have the gospel light of Jesus Christ turned on in your life. There's these things, such things as, as what we call seasonal affective disorder, where between January and February, it's the darkest times of the year, both in the physical realm, but also in the spiritual sense. We see numbers of, of suicides, suicides go up. Why? Because people are living in dark. Can I tell you, darkness has an effect on your life. Darkness has an effect on your heart. 
Darkness even has an effect on your eyes. Darkness has an effect on how well you can even tell what time it is. All these stories of, of people going to live in caves and they come out, you know, a couple hundred days later and they think they've only been in there a few weeks. Their time is warped. Time begins to get warped. Darkness has an effect on you. If it has an effect on you in the physical sense, how much more do you think it has an effect on you in the spiritual sense? We have to have the light turned on. We have to be willing to allow the gospel to do its job. The Bible invites us to live in the light. Come on, lift your hands right now. Bible invites us to live in the light. Now I know sometimes you go home and you turn that light off and you're in darkness again and you're reminded of the, the dark nature of the fleshly man. But hear the voice of the Lord. You are not of the dark. You are of the light, people of God. You are not of the dark. You are of the light. You don't have to exist in the darkness that loneliness brings. You don't have to live in the darkness that sin brings. You don't have to live in the darkness that addiction brings. You don't have to live in the darkness that abuse brings. You don't have to live in the darkness that confusion brings. You can be a child of the light. Somebody believe that this morning. Believe that word in your heart. Believe that word in your life because it's for you. I'm a testimony. I was the furthest thing away from Christianity. Thought preachers were dirty dogs. Didn't believe that, that you, could, you could come into church and lift your hands and, and shout and carry on. I thought that was of the devil. I was the furthest thing away from Christianity. The furthest thing away from the joy that the gospel teaches us about. But God saw fit to illuminate the light in my life. To remind me that I have a greater purpose, have a greater need for you in my kingdom. The church is the light of the world. And you are the light of the church. Mm. Levi came into our room last night. You know, when, when, when lights go off, fear and dread set in. We, now, it, it, we, it doesn't do any good because we've got plug-in lights. You know, there's solar all around the house so that uh, if it's daytime, they're off. But if it's nighttime, they turn on. You know how it works. <sighs> My homie, he don't care about that. He don't care about those plug-in lights. When it's dark in the house, he's still afraid. Fear sets in. Who has not been there as a child? Your imagination runs wild, right? I see children raising their hand. When I was a, when I was a kid, and I'm, I'm going to wrap up here in a minute. When I was a kid, um, my brother used to torture me with that Michael Jackson song, Thriller. You remember that? It's close to midnight. See, I'm starting to sweat even now, just singing it. And that music video came out. All them zombies walking around. That's scary stuff. Here's what he would do. I'd be in the bathroom taking a shower. He'd come in, turn off the lights and go, it's close to midnight. Because that's what happens. When the lights go out, fear and dread set in. Levi came into our room last night. Daddy, I had a bad dream. Yeah, what would you dream about? I'm half asleep. What would you dream about? There was something about a blue something uh, trying to pick him up. Like I, I, what I envisioned when he was telling me, I envisioned uh, what those machines where they have the stuffed animals in and then the claw comes down and just kind of picks it up and just kind of drops it in the repository and then you know you get your, your when he was explaining it that's what I thought I'm going that's it that's what you was afraid of I thought you were going to say something else so but anyway I just said okay let's let's go ahead you can you can you can sleep in here you can sleep with us for a little bit but 
we, we as parents, we always do that. We try to offer comfort to our kids. We try to offer comfort in those moments when they're afraid, when they're, when they're in the dark and don't know where to turn. God does the same thing. You might be right now, you might find yourself in a situation where you feel like all the lights are out in the house. Can I tell you, there's a, there's a little light glimmering in your life right now. And it's a church on 6911 North Trenum Road. It's a church full of people who care about you. It's a church full of people who love you. Why? Because they were first loved by the one who loves you. And so now what we are endeavoring to do and endeavoring to become is just another light that, exp that, that exposes and shows and, and puts on display the light of Jesus Christ. Puts on display what he has already done for us. We don't hide our light under a bushel. We don't hide our light uh, uh, behind a wall or inside of a pocket. No, no, no. We want to put it on full display that the world may be able to see. Pastor Paul talks about this, and I'm closing. Pastor Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 through 16. He says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. My God. How applicable is that one sentence even today? Right. Continuing on. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Can I tell you that the hope of every pastor is that their church would be lit for Jesus Christ? Amen. That's the hope of every pastor. That they can rest at night knowing that they have not labored in vain. Labored in prayer. Labored in spending time with you. Labored in, in, in having coffee with you. Labored in calling you and texting you and saying, hey man, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. It's the hope of every pastor that that labor would not be in vain. But I believe that I'm in a church that I can say, pastor can join me and say that that is not the case at Ephesus Church. Our labor has not been in vain. The work of our youth pastors, that labor has not been in vain because why? We are a part of a church, a group of people who have decided, as the word says, to hold forth the word of life. That although there might be darkness all around me, if I can just lift this word up higher and higher and higher, everything else around me begins to become illuminated. All the darkness surrounds me begins to become, ha, ah, become a place and a dwelling place for light to reign. It pushes out the darkness. Pushes out the darkness. Mm. Let's stand today. How do I land this? It's simple. I want us to pray today that God would, number one, turn the light on in our life. The light of truth, the light of the gospel, the light of love. Turn that light on. And in fact, let me say it like this. You can name your darkness. You can name it. Loneliness. Addiction, depression. Not feeling like you, you deserve to be forgiven. Name it. Go ahead and name it. Why? Because there's a light. Named Jesus. <laughs> that can shine in that darkness. Allow you to live a life in the light. No longer in darkness. So we're going to pray today. God. Turn the light on in my darkness that I may be, be able to see and that others may be able to see you. And these altars are open. I want those to come first. Every, every, every eye closed. I want those to come first. Or maybe you say the light's never been turned on. Come on down. Come on down. The light's never been turned on in your life. You don't know what it means to believe the gospel. You don't know what it means to, 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 to trust that God's word is for you. Come on down. 
you come up first. And then right behind them, I want those whose lights were on but have been turned off by circumstance, turned off by turmoil, turned off by temptation, turned off by loss. You come on down. And then I want everybody else to come down after them. What am I, what am I doing? I'm inviting everybody to the altar. some of our leaders to be to be sensitive enough to pray with those who came first pray with those who came second hallelujah Jesus name hallelujah come on let's begin to pray father we love you I pray first for those whose lights are not on God I pray Turn the light on in their life world right now in Jesus' name. Your gospel is thus. You rose, you died for us. You, you were manifested in the flesh. You died for us on a cross and you rose again on the third day. I thank you for that truth. I thank you for that light. You said in your word that you are the way, the truth, and the light. Turn that light on in my life right now in Jesus' name. Turn that light on, God, right now. Let it be so bright, hallelujah, it begins to shine out of me. It begins to flow and permeate every, every, every fiber of my spiritual being. God, it goes in every, every which way like a prism, God. It can't, be, it can't be subdued. It can't be quieted. It can't be uh, snuffed out. Let that light shine right now, God. Turn it on in my life, Lord. Come on, get real with Jesus. Tell him to turn it on in your life. Hallelujah. Ask for the light. Hallelujah. Now I want us to pray for those who came down, whose lights were on but were turned off. God, I pray right now, restoration in Jesus' name. God, turn that light back on in their life, God. Remind them of who they are and who you are, God. Let them to believe and to know that they can rest assured that you are still shining in their life. You have not forsaken them. You have not forgotten about them, God. For you, you, mm, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. But God, you have promised if we would ask for the rain, if we would ask for that outpouring, God, if we would ask for that restoration, that we would experience it again. God, I pray, begin to begin to shower down on those dry places, God. Begin to illuminate those places and those areas that have been turned off, that have been darkened, God, by loss, darkened by, by uh, temptation, darkened, Lord, by addiction. God, those things have been darkened by depression. God, turn on the lights in those places that have been darkened by turmoil. God, turn on the light in those places that have been darkened. Turn on the light in Jesus' name. Turn on the light in Jesus' name. Help me to see one more time, God. Help me to see the truth. Let this be a prayer of faith. Trust that this is what he wants. This is his will for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit AphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 